get out your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Book of Acts chapter 18. Continue our series we're calling Love and Marriage. This morning, we're going to look at a dynamic duo. I asked one buddy this morning, who's the most famous dynamic duo of all time? And obviously, he got it right. Batman and Robin, right? The dynamic duo, whenever you take two people with their own strengths, with their own traits, with their own whoever they are, and bring them together, that together, they become more than who they are just by themselves. We're going to look at one of the two married couples in the New Testament this morning. There really are just two. I mean, there's some, there's some on the edges, we might say, like Mary and Joseph. But when you think about the New Testament and you think about married couples, there's only two. One of them you really don't want to be like. If, if you know them, their names are Ananias and Sapphira. You find their story in Acts chapter 5, and they conspired together to lie to the church, and Peter really interpreted it to lie to God, and God decided to use Ananias and Sapphira as a word picture for the church for now over 2,000 years. God struck um, Ananias dead, and then just a few verses later struck Sapphira dead. So let's not be like them, huh? There's another couple though, Aquila and Priscilla, and we want to do all that we can, I think, as husbands and wives to be like these two. I've taught this lesson before. I've taught it here before. I taught it, I got to speak at a coach's outreach um, marriage retreat several years ago, and, and, and I taught this as one of the lessons. Got to teach at Pine Cove Family Camp to a bunch of married couples, and this was one of the lessons. If I only get one lesson to speak to married couples, I, I don't do this one, but if I get multiple, if I get an opportunity, I love to share this marriage because it's a couple that formed a dynamic duo. It's fun, it's challenging, it calls we couples up to follow Jesus, not just as a man, not just as a woman, not just as a husband, not just as a wife, but even together as a couple. And so, let's follow their story a little bit, make some observations along the way, and then we'll... uh, sum it up with a couple lessons that I've put together. We're going to have to follow our map here, but look at Acts chapter 18. This is where we first see them. After these things, he, that's Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy and his wife Priscilla, Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. 
Paul came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working. For by trade, they were tent makers or leather workers. And Paul was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So we we can see their first three movements here. The first is that Aquila and Priscilla are from Pontus. They are Jews, and we might call them Jews of the diaspora, those Jews who were dispersed outside of the land of Israel. And so they apparently grew up here in Pontus. And um, probably they got to know each other there, and they were probably married in Pontus. But then these verses tell us, oh, yeah, born and raised and married. There we go. Then they came to Rome. And what happened in Rome, we believe, is that they became Christians. We're not sure of this. Maybe they became Christians there in their hometown of Pontus. But most believe it's probably when they came to Rome that they heard the gospel and put their faith in Jesus. And by this time, 49, 50 AD, the the Christian movement was becoming so influential there in Rome, Claudius didn't like it. And he commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. In fact, there were many Jews who were coming to faith in Jesus. The the tradition surrounding this event in, in extra biblical text is it was because of Christ. Because of Jews and Gentiles as well and their commitment to Christ that Claudius had had enough and he commanded them all to leave Rome. So here is where they came to know Christ and they were kicked out by Claudius. And then number three, they came to Corinth. A little bit hard to see, but you can see the number three there. This is where Paul On this missionary journey, he leaves Athens, he comes to Corinth, and this is where he finds Aquila and Priscilla. They are tent makers, and as I said, it's probably that they're leather workers. Uh, They were skilled in taking leather and making things, and one of the things they would often make were tents, but surely they could and did make lots of other things. And this is where they met and hosted the Apostle Paul. Paul comes to Corinth, and during the week, he is practicing his leatherworking and tent-making skills and supporting himself, but on the weekends, if you will, on the Sabbath and the like, he is going in, verse 4, he was reasoning in the synagogues every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Paul's doing evangelism. He's trying to lead people to Jesus. And Priscilla and Aquila supported this and loved this and helped Paul while he was doing this. Some of the scholars believe that probably they had a little shop there in Corinth that up above Aquila and Priscilla lived. And maybe Paul, during the day with them, would work. But then at night, he would kind of make some room downstairs. And there, he would sleep. Incredible hospitality from Aquila and Priscilla, and I would just have loved to have been there. We know that Paul stayed in Corinth here for a year and a half. Was that entire time with Aquila and Priscilla? We don't know, but presumably it was. 
And can you just imagine the conversations that they would have had? As I was thinking about this and praying about this message this week and meditating upon it, it hit me. Because I thought, boy, I would, boy, I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have been Aquila and Priscilla to just be able to stay up late at night and talk with the Apostle Paul, to wake up early in the morning, put on some coffee, and visit with Paul. And then it hit me that, you know what, I can. And all of us can. What a treasure we have in the New Testament, these 13 letters from the Apostle Paul. Inspired scripture written by the pen of the Apostle Paul that if you and I want, we can hang out with him anytime. Late into the evening, early in the morning, throughout the day, we can listen to Paul tell us about our great God and his son, Jesus Christ, and what he accomplished for us in his life death and resurrection and what he is now done is his in his exaltation to the right hand of the father and the pouring out of the holy spirit and the ministry of god through his son by the spirit in our lives and what god is going to do in the coming age we can sit and visit with paul maybe not exactly like they did but we sure can and they helped Paul plant a church there in Corinth. Pretty cool. At the end of this, if you look in chapter 18, verse 18, Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. So Paul is leaving Corinth now, and he's going to head off to Ephesus. They came, verse 19, they came to Ephesus and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent. But taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills, he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up, greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And so from Corinth, when Paul left Corinth, he came to Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla with him, and Paul left them in Ephesus as he went back to Jerusalem and then on up to Antioch. We're not exactly sure everything that happened here. We assume they continued their tent-making, leather-working skills. Did they begin church planting? Paul is about to come to Ephesus. He, he makes a short stop here, but then he makes his way on to Jerusalem, back to Antioch, and his third missionary journey will bring him to Ephesus. So we don't know anything of a church in Ephesus yet. If you know Paul's story, on his second missionary journey, he wanted to go to Ephesus, but the Lord said no. Maybe there was a church there, and maybe Aquila and Priscilla got plugged in. Or maybe there was no church there and when Paul left them there, he said, hey, do the best you can. And set up shop, start sharing the gospel and let's see if God won't plant a church. Another thing they did, and you see it there, is they helped Apollos down in chapter 18, verse 24. 
now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. The man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. So here is Apollos, Alexandrian by birth, Jew, mighty in the scriptures. He knew some things about Jesus, but apparently his learning wasn't full, we might say. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Would have loved to have been there too. Maybe they brought him into their home. Hey, hey, Apollos, man, awesome today. We'd love to have you over to the house tonight, some dinner and visit with you and tell you what we've learned about the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, they probably became Christians there in Rome or part of the church in Rome. They'd been discipled up in Christ. They spent a year and a half with Paul in Corinth. They'd been discipled up and trained up and now they've got young Apollos here, mighty in the scriptures, but needs some help. And so Priscilla and Aquila took him aside, explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Apollos was in Ephesus, and after they helped him, he said, hey, I want to go to Achaia, which is Corinth. And Aquila and Priscilla and the church there in Ephesus wrote a letter to the church in Corinth and said, Apollos is a good man. Receive him. And when Apollos came to Corinth, when he came to Achaia, he was an incredible blessing to the church there. If, if you think it through and you're familiar, remember in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes to the Corinthians and said, I planted, Apollos watered. It was God who caused the growth. Apollos came to Corinth after Paul and built upon what Paul had done. And they hosted a church in their home. We know that because look at 1 Corinthians now. We leave Acts 18, go a couple books to your right, Romans and then 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So when Paul eventually did come to Ephesus, of course Aquila and Priscilla are there. Presumably a church has been planted there. Paul spent at least two years there in Ephesus doing incredible ministry. And all the while, Aquila and Priscilla were there with him, helping him, serving alongside him and the church and the like. And one of the things Paul did from Ephesus was he carried on a correspondence with the Corinthians. He wrote 1 Corinthians to them, and at the end of this letter, in chapter 16, verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Prisca, Priscilla, 
greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So Paul's writing this letter and Aquila and Priscilla maybe are, are there and they say, hey Paul, make sure that you write in there that we, we greet all the brothers and sisters back home. Or maybe not back home, but back in Corinth where they had been for a year and a half. And Paul mentions that the church there in Ephesus is meeting in their home. One of the words when you think about Priscilla and Aquila that you have to think of is hospitality. Because there in Corinth, Paul needed a place to stay. Stay with us. Get to Ephesus. The church needs a place to meet. Meet in our home. Their home, whether it was a small place there on the street and Paul had to find a spot, you know, push some leather out of the way to make a spot. Or when they got to Ephesus, maybe the market was better. They were able to buy a bigger place and the church is able to meet in their home. Everybody come over to our place. We got room. We might have to squeeze in. That's all right. We can praise the Lord together here in our home. Go back to your left to Romans chapter 16. We find out more of their movement here in Romans 16 and quite a bit more about their character. So if you'll follow with me, Paul has come to Ephesus. He stayed there for two years ministering the church uh, training disciples who, who went out as church plant. It was an incredible two years. Carrying on the Corinthian correspondence. And then Paul left Ephesus. He went north and around and came back down to Corinth. He was picking up money from those churches to take to Jerusalem. And he was, he was dealing with the Corinthian issue still further. But, but he made his way to Corinth again and from Corinth, he writes the book of Romans because he feels like his work in this part of the world is done and he wants to go to Rome so he can take the gospel even further to Spain. And so while he's, he left Ephesus and came to Corinth, from Corinth he writes Romans and notice what he writes in chapter 16, verse three. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. And so the, the fifth movement is that they went back to Rome. Apparently after Paul left Ephesus, they left Ephesus and made their way to Rome, and there's at least a couple of things. They connected with the church in Rome because when Paul writes Romans, he says, hey, greet Prisca and Aquila. And, and here they are hosting a church in their home again. They, they move from Ephesus where they were hosting the church. They buy a place, find a place there in Rome and say to the church, y'all, come over to our house. We can meet there. Paul calls them my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. We know at least a little bit of what he meant by that. 
he had helped, they had helped Paul plant the church in Corinth. They apparently had helped plant the church in Ephesus. And no doubt during that year and a half in Corinth, during the two years there in Ephesus, not only did they help plant the church, but they served in the church, opening up their home, helping, serving, doing whatever was needed by the church. No doubt they probably took some of their financial means to support the church, Paul's ministry there in Ephesus and elsewhere. Paul would think of them and say, hey, hey greet, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He says, for who for my life risked their own necks. We don't, don't know what he's referring to there. We do know that he, towards the end of his time in Ephesus, it, it got really hot. The persecution did. You don't have to turn there, but Paul would describe his time in Ephesus, at least towards the end, like this. We don't want you to be aware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. Ephesus is Asia. That's, that's where he's talking about. That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. So apparently things there in Ephesus were hard. And Aquila and Priscilla were right there with him. And whatever it was that they did, they risked their lives, their own necks, for Paul. And Paul notes that they are the objects of thanks. Not only Paul, Paul often would probably say to them, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving his life for sure, but also for their hospitality, for their prayers, for their service, for their generosity, for their love. But notice, it's not only Paul who would say this about them, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. What does he mean by that? I don't know if the, yeah. By this time, there's a church in Philippi, there's a church in Thessalonica, there's a church in Berea, there's probably a church in Athens, a church in Corinth, a church in Ephesus. The two-year stay, we think, planted churches all throughout this area. We know the church in Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis. Did their ministry extend even to some or all of those churches? Such that Paul would say, not only do I give thanks to these two, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks for these two. Maybe it was their prayers for them all. Maybe Priscilla and Aquila gave generously to them all. Maybe they went on some little trips to these churches to visit with them and encourage the churches. We, we don't know. 
but they were such a blessing. And again, greet the church that is in their house. Finally, um, just to track the story, Paul will write Romans, and then he'll come back to Jerusalem, get arrested, taken to Rome, imprisoned. Um, He'll be released from that imprisonment, do some more ministry, but then go back into prison in Rome for a final time. And during that final imprisonment, Paul will write 2 Timothy. So go to 2 Timothy, go to the last chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So so Paul, at the end of his life, he's in prison in Rome. He's writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. And in chapter 4, verse 19... Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. So apparently now this, the sixth movement is that they have come to Ephesus. Why, we're not sure. Helped Timothy? I, sh- I should have put a question mark there. Maybe when Paul was in prison, Aquila and Priscilla were there in Rome, and maybe Paul told him about the hard time Timothy was having. We get some clues from 1 Timothy that life for Timothy was kind of hard. Ministry was difficult in Ephesus. And we certainly know from 2 Timothy 4 that, that Timothy was being called up because it was difficult. And, and maybe then Aquila and Priscilla said, hey, We'll go to Ephesus and we'll help him. So maybe they helped Timothy. Did they host the church in their home again? He doesn't tell us here, but you know, it's like they seemingly did everywhere else they went. If they had a home big enough, the church could meet in their home. And we don't have no idea about their finish, but this is the last we hear of them. Um, Maybe they're getting a little bit older too. And yet here, maybe at the end of their life, here's Paul writing to Timothy and saying, hey, greet Prisca and Aquila. Because he knew that they were still following the Lord, still serving the Lord, finishing strong. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira. There in Acts 5, you can read about it. It's just 11 verses. And, and two times in those 11 verses, great fear came upon the church. Great fear came upon the church. That's, that's kind of what we're supposed to get from Ananias and Sapphira. Don't be like them. But Priscilla and Aquila, they pop up here and there throughout the New Testament. And everywhere we see them, they're always together. And everywhere we see them, they are being a dynamic duo. Couple lessons, maybe. You could probably come up with your own. I've just got two mission minded marrieds. This couple lived for Christ, his people, and his cause. 
just the, you know, all these seniors up here. One of them's mine. And uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday at RSM, we had the banquet. And the four were up on stage and Mike interviewed them and then he opened up the mic and I wasn't sure I was going to say anything. I think people get tired of listening to me talk, but Paul Marsh, one of the dads, talked and Michael Harrington, one of the dads, talked and Craig Remlinger, one of the dads, talked. So I'm like, oh, guess I better talk. One of the things I said to them, yes, go to class. Yes, make your grades. Yes, get your degree. But live for Christ. Couldn't we say the same thing to all of us? Yes, do your job. Yes, make your check. Yes, pay your bills. Yes, have some fun. But live for Christ. Right? We've talked about that before. The issue for you and me is not what we do to make a living. The issue is what are we living for? There are as many different vocations as there are people in this room. Many of them stay at home mamas. Praise God for you. But we got salesmen, we got teachers, we got coaches, we got this, that, and the other. We got plumbers, we got wonderful, awesome. It's what we do to make a living, but the question is what are we living for? Aquila, Priscilla, what do, you, what do y'all do to make a living? Well, we, we, we leather workers. We make stuff. Pays the bills. What are you living for? Oh, we live for Christ. We live for Christ. We live for his church. We live for what he is doing in the world. We know they were from Pontus, but that's about all we know. Apparently, they became Christians while they were in Rome and were so part of the church there that when Claudius got upset about this Christ movement in Rome and kicked them out, they, were, they, they felt like they needed to get out. They come to Corinth. Paul lived here and for a year and a half supported him in his ministry efforts to plant a church in Corinth. Paul says, come with me to Ephesus. And they come to Ephesus and Paul says, you all stay here. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, but I I hope to come back soon. And while they were there, tent making, loving on people, leading people to Jesus, helping Apollos along, sending him to Corinth, opening up their home for a church, risking their necks for the gospel of Christ helping all these churches of the Gentiles so much that Paul would say, not just I give thanks, but all the Gentile churches give thanks for these two. They go to Rome. They open up their home to the church there. They eventually find their way to Ephesus and Paul says, greet Aquila and Priscilla. Maybe they were there again to help and encourage Timothy to serve alongside him. They were a dynamic duo for Christ. 
and for his church. Did they have any kids? Don't know. You look at that map and you go, surely not. <laughs> right? Surely not. If they had any kids, they'd have stayed right there in Pontus. Maybe. But at least maybe we can draw from them that they were open to new opportunities. I've said it before, but I think maybe some of us hem ourselves in. We've figured out God's plan for our life. When lo and behold, what do we know James says? What did God impress upon me one year ago about this time? Come now you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city, engage in business, make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are but a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Maybe the church in Rome said, hey, good to see y'all. What are your plans? Oh, we're... We've opened up shop here. We're going to be in Rome for the rest of our lives. And God had different plans. No, you're not. You're going to go to Corinth. Maybe when they got to Corinth and met Paul, and Paul says, what are y'all's plans? Oh, you know, we were from Pontus. We were in Rome, but thought we were going to be there for the rest of our lives, but God moved us here. Our plan is to grow the business and, you know, be a blessing to the church and, and retire and die here in Corinth. You know, no, no, you're not. You're going to, be, you're going to go to Ephesus. And you're going to help plant a church in Ephesus. And maybe when they got to Ephesus, people were like, hey, glad to have you. What, you know, what, what are your hopes and dreams, what plans for your life? Well, you know, we, we thought we were going to be in Rome. Then we thought we were going to be in Corinth. But here we are in Ephesus. We like it here. We were able to buy a bigger home so much so the church can meet in our house. This is great. We're going to be here for the rest of our lives. Nope. You can go back to Rome. And you're going to end up in Ephesus. And apparently, everywhere along the way, just, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and the, right, God may not move any of us from Katie. Probably going to move some of you. But the principle maybe can still be applied to as we live here in Katie, open to any and everything the Lord might have. Serving here, been serving in this ministry for years. And then maybe God has something different. And then maybe a year or two later, he has something different. Just always, Lord, you know, you, you get the impression from the Lord, whatever. Whatever you want from us, we surrender all. Mission-minded folks. One New Testament scholar said, in Aquila and Priscilla, we see a combination of true Christian devotion and sacrifice, a vision for the spread of the gospel, deep affection for Paul, and affection for communities of Christians in a network of locations that was growing into a worldwide church. Brothers and sisters here at Redeemer, I speak to all of you, but we're doing this series on marriage. Speaking to you married couples, your church family, we need all of you 
to live into a vision like this. He says, we want to live for Christ. We want to live for the good of his church. We want to live for people who don't know Jesus. As you can imagine, very practically, we need men and women, husbands and wives who will serve in kids' ministry. Who for a season, maybe a long season, will say, we would love to serve our church and to love our kids and teach them about Jesus. You bet. Put us in, coach. There's still some spots that Katie's looking for. And we need folks who would lead groups. Community group sent out an email this last week. We're also looking at launching and piloting what we're going to call missional communities. But folks who would say, we'll lead a community group. We'll lead a missional community. We'll take responsible f- responsibility for that. That'd be awesome. And so, finally, mission-minded marrieds and then add us to your prayers. Just practically, right, so often I, I pray, Lord, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me. My gifts, my abilities, my experiences, use me, Lord, use me. And maybe Aquila and Priscilla and the, the story of their life and ministry would, would encourage you to begin to pray, Lord, use us. Use Tara in me. How do you want to use Tara in me? Don't quit praying for yourself, but, but, but maybe begin to see yourselves as a dynamic duo that can live on mission with Christ together. Here's one of the scarier texts in all the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 7. If you marry... You have not sinned, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. I think we could say Paul loved marriage. But he also probably would say, you know what though, what can happen when a husband, when a man and a woman come together and they get married, they're going to have trouble in life. You know, it just, it just happens. And, and for good reason, they're going to have to be now concerned, not, not so much with the Lord, but concerned with each other. And if they don't watch out, if they don't watch out, their service to the Lord can begin to take a back seat. So brothers and sisters, let's pray. Oh God, would you please use 
us. To glorify yourself in our marriage and through our marriage. And would you please use us to be a blessing to our church family. Use our gifts, use our abilities, use everything that we've got, Lord. How would you like to use us to help Redeemer Community Church be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? Lord, use us. How would you like to use us, Lord, in our neighborhood to love and serve our neighbors for Jesus' sake? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, the testimony of Aquila and Priscilla. If all we had was Ananias and Sapphira, that'd be discouraging. But we have this dynamic duo of the grace of God at work in their lives and through their lives. As a model of sorts of a married couple serving Christ together, a blessing to the church and even beyond. Might you do it with every one of the marriages here at Redeemer. And Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, your son whom you sent because of our sins, our sins as husbands, our sins as wives, our sins as men, as women, young and old. You sent your son to live and die and rise so that all of our sins could be forgiven and to give your Holy Spirit so that we might be empowered and helped to live a new kind of life. Lord, I pray for any here today that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their friend, as their Lord. Might you today open their hearts to receive the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ has lived and died and risen for them such that their sins can be forgiven and they can have a new life in him and eternal life. Help them to, to hear it and to believe in Jesus as a Savior and Lord. And Lord, for those of us who know him, Help us to walk in him and in the power of his spirit that our lives, our marriages, our ministries would be marked by his character, love and joy, peace and patience, goodness and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We pray in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.